Hey, this is Danny G, and I'm sitting here in the Rose Garden this afternoon for a special family edition, the G edition. I'm sitting with my younger sister, LGG. What's up, LGG? Hi! <laughs> and my auntie, my auntie G, came to visit because we made her a birthday brunch. So what's up, auntie G? Good afternoon, everybody! <laughs> so thank you for, of course, uh, coming and volunteering to speak with me on the podcast today because it came out of the blue but we were just sitting around having such great conversation yeah uh i can hear your phone sorry little sister <laughs> um we were having such a great conversation that it was like okay we got to start to record some of this gold because what mm -hmm. we were talking about was sharing stories and i've said in the past that i'm fascinated with generational differences especially in the workplace but just how we function when we have the traditionalists for the most part who have transitioned on then we got generation x we got baby boomers we got millennials we got this new subset of zennials and then we got generation z so all of these different people sharing all of these different experiences at the same time and it's fascinating so i talk about how women how i believe women are supposed to share their experiences and how women in older generations are supposed to help teach younger women how to navigate this space in this thing called life. And so Auntie G is here today because she is willing to allow me to ask her some questions and allow LGG to ask questions so we can have some conversations and get feedback from an older woman from another generation to come and help us figure this thing out. So thank you, Auntie G. You're quite welcome. And so <laughs> what generation are you? I'm a boomer. Baby boomer generation. Baby boomer. Proud. So tell us, what does that mean? What are the baby boomers? Who are the baby boomers? Baby boomers are anybody on the youngest end that was born in 1963 all the way up to, all the way down, I should say, in terms of young, uh, older years, back down to maybe like the 1940s. Okay. Okay. So the time was different. What was, when you were like, what's your oldest memory that you can remember? Oh, I can remember stuff like pre-kindergarten, quite frankly. Oh, yeah, no, I have, I have lots of memories. And uh, and in my uh, 60 plus years, I'm officially a senior citizen these days. Oh, no, that's right. Didn't know what I, I don't know how I got there, but I'm there. <laughs> and you don't look like it. You know they say black don't crack. If you saw Auntie G, there's no way in the world you would think that you were a senior citizen. <laughs> that I am. Yes. Well, I do it because you guys are now adults. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Because. I'm 33. LGG, how old are you? Um, I'm 30 plus. Oh. 30 plus. <laughs> Thank you, LGG. I'm 32. 32. And so we got a good 30 years between us. Absolutely. More than 30 years. And so what are some of the things that you would share just as, just off the top? Well, I think generally my, my, my overriding comment for our conversation this afternoon is that no matter what generation we are, there are certain universal experiences that we will all have as long as we're in our physical earthly form as women and particularly, especially as black women in the American society, okay, or even in this world for that matter. So, um, so I think the, the first thing that I would, I would like to say is that I think that it's important for us not to be so caught up and, and, um, 
feeling disconnected because of the generational differences, but look more toward the universal experiences that are inevitable as long as we continue to live on this earth as women and particularly women of color and black women. Yes. So we need to really figure out the shared experiences and connect over those instead of focusing on all of these differences that really may or may not matter. That is correct. That You got it, Danny. I agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, something as simple as, for example, our biological well-being and physical health as women is universal, okay? And while it based on science, medical science developments and knowledge, overall knowledge and ownership for our own health and well-being, physical and otherwise, you know, there are different approaches we can take toward, you know, our own health maintenance today that weren't, that weren't existed in my day as a young person and that really medical science and, and scientific research had never gotten to yet, quite frankly. So, so the same is true even on an emotional level, you know, mm -hmm. while we understand a lot more about the human psyche now than probably we ever did. And it's more readily, the knowledge and information is more readily available for us to apply to our individual lives and our existence. The truth of the matter is, is that, generationally people have different approaches because they started dealing with those experiences at a point in the, on a longer timeline yep. that there was only so much available to them. And now it, as the timeline continues to move forward, more and more options and information is available for us to handle experiences either the same if we want to, or to incorporate the new knowledge and new developments into being able to handle the same experiences differently. So like life changes. We will all go through life changes. We will yes. go through grieving, yes. as an example. As if an example. you continue to live, you will lose someone that you love and you will have to cope with grieving. That's a good example. Like a resource would be... For my generation, I think I talk to everybody about therapy and I will say everybody needs to go to therapy. In the past, therapy has not been something that historically has been celebrated or encouraged mm -hmm. in the black family. That's true. And even in our community, because in America as well, because there's been a stigma attached to mental health, if mm -hmm. you will. Uh, if you seek out you know, treatment for mental health challenges, oh, you, you're quote-unquote, for lack of a better term, crazy, okay? Mm -hmm. But but the truth of the matter is the best one thing one can do is seek out, you know, you know, treatment or counseling or therapy to help you through those hurdles that are, are creating blockages for you yep. or, or, or maybe influence you to make less than the best decision for the outcome that you're seeking, quite frankly. But grieving is a perfect example. Everybody grieves differently in their own time and their own way, but there are more resources available and more knowledge about the grieving process in yeah. large out here that you really could handle it in a way that's, that's not self-destructive and that's more constructive for you as an individual than ever before. Yes. You know, So yeah. I agree. Lauren, my sister LGG and I, we lost our dad in our 20s. And I think that we both were able to cope with it in healthy ways. But I think, well, I said it. <laughs> you look sideways. Okay. But I mean, I think there are some people who the idea of losing a parent, they feel that they will die themselves. Like, I can't go on. And dad mm -hmm. said, 
life goes on until it always, doesn't. Always. It does. And and that's a good point. The truth of the matter is whether we believe it or not, it does go on. It okay. Does. Uh because life is a continuum. And if you're a spiritual person or a religious person, you really believe that life is a continuum. That you when you transition from your earthly form, there's another another incarnation yet to experience out there, okay? Mm-hmm. Whether you call it heaven or hell or something in between, quite honestly. So yeah, I agree. But but and folks in terms of grieving because you guys grew closer in the loss of your dad and I know at the time your dad was lost his you know his dad was still living who was my mm-hmm. father and I and other of your dad's siblings were still living and and we coped in our own way differently a little bit differently uh because based on you know knowledge and generational norms quite frankly yeah yeah mm-hmm. so what about dating so mm-hmm. we talked about coping we got new uh you know we know that we can look at other resources. What about dating? Because mm-hmm. we kind of talked about it earlier, even growing up in like the 60s, 70s versus the 2000s mm-hmm. when it talks about like sex before marriage mm-hmm. or even sex with girls, period. Mm-hmm. First of all, I never got the talk ever. <laughs> ever. I pieced <laughs> what I knew together for my friends who was running these streets I didn't give you and sex in the city. Me? No, you gave me an HIV test. That's well, about that's, it. Well, I gave you an HIV test after college, because that's right, when I started after college. So how how is it that you survived all these years in the same house with me, and I never gave a sex talk? I don't. You was out running the streets, Janah. You was out running the streets. Then street you should have learned right? from me. <laughs> <laughs> it just never came up. But and here's the point: you also have your <laughs> mom is still with camp. you, and she is a woman of a different generation, my generation, mm-hmm. quite frankly. But uh, most mothers of my generation found it awkward, and I say just awkward, even though they knew that their daughters were going to be going through certain experiences in life as women, mm-hmm. you from childhood, from teenagehood, to younger womanhood, and ultimately womanhood in general, uh, but it was it's an awkward thing for a Gen Xer or, or, or generation before to have the talk with their children, boys and girls for that matter, as they transition uh, through puberty, if you will, okay? Um, I, in the interest of full disclosure, I have to admit that it was nothing that I ever felt diff- felt awkward about because I chose not to bear children biologically, although I always was involved in the lives of all of you guys mm-hmm. as my nieces and nephews. But I allowed and, and thought I was allowing your parents to do what they wanted to do in setting the guidance and having the talk. Mm-hmm. If you will, with you as your as your parents and your custodial, um, you know, um, uh, guardians, mm-hmm. if you will, quite frankly, okay. So, so, but yeah, but dating is one of those things. For example, uh, in the process of dating, my generation, because we, well, I went through the '60s with the free love and and open love and you know and and peace and not war kind of thing happened, and uh, there was a lot of. Premarital sex, okay, what? and non-committal sex, what? and the disco era. Quite frankly, no, there really was. The problem with Ooh, most no. people in my generation is they don't own that to their children because they feel somehow, no, I, that's not a part of my experience. I want to share with them. But the truth of the matter is, is that premarital sex is always is mm-hmm. one of those universal challenges 
based on your religious, your spiritual norms that parents, I think, still to this day struggle with, quite frankly. To this day. To this day. Mm-hmm. And how did it make it to this day? Because that's what I don't understand. If people, if premarital sex was happening happening throughout time, and first of all, we know that when we even talk about marriage, girls were being married off in their teens versus mm-hmm. now being in your 30s or 20s mm-hmm. trying to, quote, find a husband. So right. how how did they go from <laughs> knowing that they was freaking themselves as a teen and trying to figure out that awkwardness? Because it's awkward and for everybody. Yep. So Absolutely. how did they move through that and forget where they came from to now have their own kids mm-hmm. and leave us in the dark <laughs> shadows to figure it out on our own. Right, right. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know that I have the right answer for that, <laughs> but I certainly have my perspective. And, yeah. and from my vantage point, what I think has happened here is that um, the lifespan, the the average life cycle has lengthened for mm-hmm. for, it, for for us in, in, in terms of living from, from birth to death. Okay, because the truth of the matter is for the World War II generation or, and, or the baby boomer generation, you know, if you got up to 70, 80 years of age, seven score and two years, you know, <laughs> you know, four score and seven, hey, you had lived a long life. Mm-hmm. And so you weren't expected just because of, of, of mortality factors in our society to be here that long. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so, so, so birthing and making babies and getting married started much earlier because people believed and based on the actuality, actuarial tables, they died earlier, quite frankly. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, but even in that process from, from yesteryear to this year, the one thing that always happened is that young women, young girls transitioned from childhood to womanhood. Yep. So that's a fact, okay? And how it, it gets you know, how the the previous generation helps them navigate their way through that changes somewhat over the years. But unfortunately, I don't think it's changed enough. Yeah. Um, because yes, while there is access to the internet and cyberspace and and technology for you to Google stuff and learn things about your body and about you know your 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 hormones and and even your your sexual health. The reality is there's nothing like somebody that loves you, who cares about you, helping you to navigate that. Yeah. Who you trust? Okay. That's why I'm going to have that talk sex with San- Danny G show. <laughs> So that I can be that person, because that's so important. You need somebody very that's important. responsible, that loves yes. you, that is factual, that is safe, that Absolutely. will protect you, yeah. that, that has your best that interest. Has no, your hidden be- yes. no hidden agendas. No hidden agendas. Yeah, and and you and you need that uh, because you know, as a young woman, just just embarking upon that transition. You know, these days we have young women getting their periods as early as 10 years old in our society. Mm-hmm. And no 10-year-old girl in our society has a clue about what that really means. No. None. No. And so few mothers are preparing even their 10, 11, 12-year-old. But part of that, why young black young girls in general are getting their periods so much earlier than on average they, in my generation is because of the dietary lifestyle habits. Yep. Because when we when we as parents, and I say we meaning figuratively, uh, from from the older generation, you know, let our young kids grow up on McDonald's and, you know, Burger King and, you know, all kinds of other 
you know, hormonal and antibiotic laden foods, yep. then it impacts their body because their body absorbs that stuff. If it's in the meat that you feed them, then the body's going to absorb it and the chemicals and the preservatives. And so their body's hormonal system, their endocrine system is impacted and it has an effect. And, and you know, you wonder why you got 10, 11 year old girls walking around with breasts and their babies, they literally are innocent, don't have a clue. Don't have a clue. Okay? Nope. And their parents are thinking they're doing the best they can and they're loving them, and particularly the mothers, but the mothers aren't taking the ownership for making sure that, you know, they are feeding their children things that is, is gives them the optimal nutrition and has the least adverse impact to their health because we buy so much into the marketing of these corporations selling us fast food and junk food in our society, okay? And convenience is not everything. Sometimes when you make, in my opinion, when you make the commitment to be a parent, you also should be prepared to be to make the sacrifice of what it takes to be a parent. And that means maybe you got to cook the meals for your kids mm -hmm. and for breakfast, lunch, or dinner instead of driving through the drive-thru, picking up something on your way home to feed them, quite mm -hmm. frankly. Because we have, it's true, we have really poor, I think as a society and maybe even as a generation, because of the access to fast food because of the lack of grocery stores because of like all of these of different factors mm -hmm. we've adopted this super convenient and easy convenient. and it's cheap a, and cheap and, yes yep. and cheap yep. eating practices yep. and i don't have kids yet but i tell my husband all the time that we have to learn how to eat so that we can teach our kids the right habits Absolutely. so that they don't have to do what we're doing as adults and try to unlearn all of these bad habits. Absolutely. Like kids eating Flaming Hots in the morning or us eating packs of cinnamon rolls and Hawaiian bread <laughs> uh, and rotisserie chicken for dinner every day because we every don't want to, because we're tired from work don't and we don't want to take the time or don't have the time or the money to make all of these nutritious meals. There are ways that we can work around oh, it. Oh, absolutely. There are absolutely. ways that we can get some frozen right. veggies and like figure out how to meal prep and meal plan. But that yeah. just takes time and discipline. It takes time and discipline yeah. and, the, and the commitment to do it. Yeah, because right. to think about it, Daddy, you know, with, with Grandma, you know, who, who you know, we, we love dealing and we miss every day. Mm -hmm. Grandma every fed day. us and she cooked home-cooked meals. But Grandma also grew up on a farm. And she knew the source of food. And she knew how to raise crops and, and whether it's vegetables vegetables or where, whether it's the animals that they eventually slaughtered and, and was the source of their meat. And they, and, and, and they raised food on the farm that was not antibiotic laden or hormone laden, mm -hmm. you know, for fast, for fast fattening and production mm -hmm. to go to slaughter. Now, most of the farming in our, in our society, in our country is commercial agriculture, not the family farm anymore. Mm -hmm. And there's a very big difference in the quality of the food that even get raised on the farm now because most farms aren't family farms anymore, okay? And so if you ate, you grew up making, you know, growing your food, own food, first of all, then prepping it and cooking it and eating it, you know, you can live a very healthy life. And then, you know, but once our, our black people, pretty much many of them migrated from the South and from the farm to the cities, mm -hmm. you know, things changed. And when, when, when they started working mostly in the factories and the offices, mm -hmm. so now you got to buy food that's been been shipped in to a store mm -hmm. that hopefully is, you know, is, is 
of decent quality and that's affordable and that you have access to without having to travel, you know, way beyond your immediate neighborhood, quite yeah, frankly. not contaminated. And, right. Well, that's true, too, because now we have so many recalls on so food. Oh, lettuce. What? Yeah. I know. Lettuce. I know. They never Turkey. recall Flaming Hot, so right. I'm safe. I know. I know. Turkeys around Thanksgiving. Oh, oh yeah. Recall. Exactly. I, 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 I noticed, I don't think there's nearly a food that we can consume that at some point in the last decade, there's not been some sort of recall. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, for contamination. Or exactly. Or, co- for contamination or disease. Yep. Or, or chemical pesticides, quite frankly. And that's a problem. But that makes it even a bigger challenge for younger women to understand what it is to think about wanting to have a family and, and have children and raise children. Because in some respects, it's, not, it's nowhere near as easy today as it was in my generation, if I wanted children, mm-hmm. or certainly in my mom's generation, quite frankly, okay? Mm-hmm. So it's there's a big difference. And sometimes we don't we don't fully appreciate, you know, what that means because the older generation sometimes just I think to some degree, honestly, Danny, I don't think they really know. Uh, because they don't kind of stay on top of the, the, the new developments or they don't go out of their way to, to seek out that information and that knowledge and then apply it. Because many times, by, you know, their children are now, if they were my age, their children are now the adults. And what they decide is that, okay, that's not my principal responsibility anymore. But the truth of the matter is, is your, it's always each of our principal responsibility to eat for nutrition the best and, and the best and most cost effective way we can so that even our own health is good. Okay. Yeah. For the, for, and we have a good quality of life to maintain a good quality of life because food really should be considered medicine these yes, days. Yes, it should. Ugh. Food yeah. is fuel. It food is, is fuel. A, it is to fuel and our bodies. And our bodies tell us if we eat or consume things that aren't good for us. We That's why I attention. don't drink anymore. Right. I used to drink all the time as LGG <laughs> sips her bubbly. I used to, but I started throwing up. I used to get hangovers. And it was like, okay, my body is it's saying, you. I don't like this. And it's like, but no, I want to turn up. And it was like, turn up tonight, and then you're going to be crying There's and sitting on the toilet in the morning. Yep. And it got to the point where I'm like, yeah, this it ain't is, worth it. I, my body is telling me, and I'm listening to my body. And and that and that's the best thing we can do, quite frankly, all of us. First, be true to ourselves and our own body and our own health and our own well-being. Because if you don't take care of you, you can't be a good mother. You can't be a good auntie. You can't be a good parent or whatever of okay a father for that matter so you got to do those things and it would be nice that if particularly from an, an older generation to a younger generation if they at least help the older mm-hmm. generation can help the younger generation what was different about the food supply mm-hmm. or about you know dating in their day compared to what and exactly what's going on now with you and how you're eating or cooking or not mm-hmm. cooking or or how you're dating and, and how you're making your dating decisions because it's the decision making process yes, that matters quite frankly and and I think all too often the other thing it, it, that we we underestimate I think the older generation is that the younger people somehow are just going to through osmosis absorb their sense of values and their sense of morality. And I'm not saying they have to be equal, but you, you have to teach young people that they are of value, that they are worthy of a, of a, of their best life. 
and they're entitled to their best life. But with that and saying that as adults, they also have an ownership that they have to take on. Okay. But, but we, we got to tell them because there are too many other things, particularly being black women in society that will always tell you, you're not worthy. You're not deserving. You shouldn't require, you shouldn't expect to live your best life. And I have never believed that. And I will never believe that. No, that's right, auntie. This is a great segue because you said um, it's about the decision-making process. Mm -hmm. And you said that you chose to participate in our lives as an auntie as opposed to having your own kids. First of all, research talks about the importance of aunties in the Mm -hmm. lives. Like, they do. (laughs) Like, shout out to all the aunties. How did you decide that you didn't want to have kids? Like, how did you make that decision, especially in your generation? Well, it's true. That's a good question, Danny. I like that question. Well, uh, but I'll tell you, it goes back to what I just said earlier is about being clear about who you are and being sure of who you are as a being at your core and being true to yourself first. Mm-hmm. Because I've always been in the mindset, it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks my life should be. Mm-hmm. I have a vision for my life. I'm prepared to work for that vision. I believe in my vision for my life. And I've always believed that that it takes a village to raise mm, children and that. everybody don't have to birth a child to love children and yep. to love a child. Yep. And there are things that you can do to help reinforce a core family as well as an extended family as an auntie, which I thought was the best way that I could contribute to the concept of family for our family mm-hmm. by being an auntie and making sure that, yeah, even though I didn't live around the corner most of most of my nieces and nephews lives, but I made sure that I was actively a part, a part of their lives and they knew who I was mm-hmm. and, and that, you know, they could recognize somebody mentioned me, oh, I'm not some some mystical person out there that they don't have a clue about who they are. So just just by that. Then by the choices that I made in terms of my career, because I too was born in a generation where either you, the mommy track didn't really exist. Yeah. So you either decided, do you, uh, do you want a career or do you want to, you don't want to choose motherhood, okay? Mm-hmm. But there was no middle ground when I started, when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So I made a choice that I could do more for the people that I love in my life by having a career, but knowing that they, that family's always a, a top priority for me. And yep. so so that's what I did. So yep. so in some respects, I feel like I've, I've had the benefit of having seven children who just didn't live with me all the time. And... Uh, and yet, but, you know, but I, I got to participate. I got to hopefully reinforce and support and let them know that they were important to me and of value by being actively in, in part of their lives mm-hmm. and showing up for family gatherings, okay? Yeah. So 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 I made the choice that way. And and I'll be honest, Danny and Lauren, uh, uh, LGBT, <laughs> that, uh, that it wasn't an easy choice early on, you know, 40 plus years ago because Mm -hmm. people looked at women like me like we were selfish. Oh, you're not, yes. having, oh, you don't want to be, oh, you don't. So there was, there's always judgment. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's clear to be, for you to be clear about your vision mm-hmm. for your life. Because nobody can own your dreams and your visions more than you, or should for that matter. Yeah. Okay. So, and it all works itself out because I think my choices have worked reasonably well. I've, family has always been a priority. And yet I got to do much of what I wanted to do in my life and still doing much of what I want to do in my life in terms of visions 
for experiences that I want to have and, and, you know, whether that's travel, whether that's work, whether that's, you know, uh, you know, having friendships and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's about balance and balance is hard in life. Yes. I don't care what age you are. It's hard. But, but eventually if you keep trying and you're true to your vision of your life, it, it, it all can manifest. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in different, different times, different ways, but I, I truly believe it's possible. Okay. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing, no, auntie, uh, auntie G, the interesting <laughs> thing is he said society looked at you, as if you're selfish. Now, in like right now, mm-hmm. I'm 32. Mm-hmm. The fact that I don't have a husband and kids, society looks at me like I'm crazy. Like, What's what have you been you? doing? Right, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. And I think even though my vision is still kind of developing, like I made the, the decision to be happy. Mm-hmm. Because it's like you could settle. Like we all know somebody who we could have just settled with and we could have been with just to been with. Or we could have like... Like, yeah, I mean, Danny G doesn't know this, but I was proposed to. What? And I was just like, hell no. Like, you ain't the one. This, so you, you ain't, ain't the, the one. one. And there it's like, I don't care if I'm 65. Like, I'm like making me. the decision <laughs> to exactly. not settle. So right, right. it's funny how society back in the day looked at you like, well, you got to pick. And you like, well, I'm, I'm career oriented. It's right. like, oh, you're selfish. And now it's but like, that, you got to pick. And it's like, well, I choose pick. me. I want to be happy. It's like, well, what's wrong with you? Right. And it's like, we know yeah. people who have been divorced. Or yeah. we know people who, you know, cheat on their spouse. But they, they got a man, though, because society, you can't you can't be by yourself. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's funny. And like, they judge right. me. Society judged me before mm-hmm. I got before married got with, without kids because mm-hmm. they said that I was on the career check. Mm-hmm. You chose your career over motherhood. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I didn't choose anything. Mm-hmm. A, I'm mm-hmm. single. Right. B, um, mm-hmm. time will tell mm-hmm. what happens. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Well, but you're being true to self. That's yes. what both of you have made the point. You chose you. And and if you don't choose you first as you're, you're, you have a dream and a vision for your life, nobody else is going to choose you first and make you a priority. And happiness, the only way you really, happiness is an inside job. Yes. So the only way you're going to be happy is to choose you first, be happy from within, and then you got happiness and love and joy that you can share right, right. with a spouse or a significant other or children eventually and, and even other family members. But because that's certainly how I felt about it. I have basically been happy my whole adult life. And I know a whole lot of people in my generation that have been married and divorced or miserable in marriage and not. And, and, but the reality is, is that we have to be honest with ourselves and choose ourselves first. Because if you, if you take care of you first, then and only then do you have of stuff to share with everybody else, the good stuff, the the love, the happiness, the joy, you know, interesting things that you've done because you've exercised your your creative talents, or that you know, or you're true to your creative talents, or or your ambition, even for that matter. Ambition is not a dirty word, but the reality <laughs> is, is that you've got to be clear about what that means to you, and then you can share it with everybody else. Quite frankly. Choose you first. Choose you. Choose you, baby. Those okay. are wise words from for, for the kids. Thank you for <laughs> sharing that. Thank you for coming to the podcast. Thank you for walking us through your experiences and helping us realize that as we are here on this earth, we will all have different encounters. 
And we all face them from different perspectives based on what we've been through. But what we see is that there are women before us who have gone, faced them, Mm -hmm. and emerged on the other side, still strong and still happy. As long as we know to choose ourselves first. Be true to self. Yeah. And then the only to other thing. To thine own self be true. To thine own self be true. And the only the other thing I would suggest is to ask. Ask is not a dirty word. Younger people have to ask. And quite frankly, my generation also need to ask. Because there are things that not, are now unfolding. Especially in terms of the technology impact on people's mm-hmm. lives. That my most people in my generation don't know. I know a lot of it because I worked in technology professionally. But, but most people... In, and the baby boomer generation just don't know it. Mm-hmm. So they, many times they really don't know to ask. So I think the younger generation has to, to think in terms of, well, I can share my knowledge and experience and education on mm-hmm. the technology. Mm-hmm. And yet, yet they have life experience wisdom that they can share with me. Okay. It's a two-way exchange. It's a two-way It's a mutually beneficial, beneficial relationship and exchange. exchange. And that yep. is how it really should, should work. Be. Absolutely. That's how it works because that's how mm-hmm. we share and we all move forward together. Absolutely. Yay. Thank you, Auntie G. You're welcome. Thank you, LGG. Always. And this is Danny G for the G episode, the G edition. Uh, thank you for tuning in. These are the G's. <laughs> and, you already knew that. And, but you already, I'm a G, but you probably already knew that. This is Danny G and the G is for goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.